You're listening to the ESO Network, your station for all things geek. Hello. Please let me see your ticket stubs for the double-edged double bill. Your ticket stubs. I have to see them. Please let me see your ticket stubs. This week, low budgets lead to fateful findings of Psycho Gorman. Thomas and Thomas Mariani will come to the table to discuss the randomly selected yin and yang of a double feature. Then, both will have to pick a number between 1 and 10 or to seal their fates for the next episode. One will have two good movies, the other two bad ones. Let the chaos begin. I am Adam Thomas, and I am Adam Thomas, and I can't get you out of this one. Not this time. I can't believe you did it. I can't believe you committed suicide. And I'm Thomas Mariani, and Adam, on this computer I have all the files that I have hacked into for all the corrupt governments. All their secrets will be revealed. Even the president of the bank? I'm, I'm sorry to tell you this, Adam. You better sit down. The president of the bank is implicated oh, in these files. Oh, not the president of the bank. I know he was your favorite idol that you always looked up to, but you can't meet your heroes, Adam. That son of a bitch. Uh, well, if you're confused right now, don't worry. We are, too, about that particular film we're referencing. We'll get into a lot of that uh, with the second feature in our Double Bill, because every week, Adam, on Double Edge Double Bill, we like to uh, take two films that we picked at the end of our last episode based around a general topic and uh, devote discussion to both. And the topic for this week, we decided, you know what, start of the summer movie season, we're actually going to start getting movies in theaters as people hopefully get vaccinated. But at the same time, while we're getting some of these big blockbusters, we got to pay tribute to especially all the low-budget films out there. Particularly, our parameters for low budgets were $2 million or lower. Because usually most movies have somewhere between a $5 million budget and upwards of hundreds of millions, depending on the movie. But um, in particular, as of recent, uh, we have a lot more sort of like either massive, huge budgets or very teeny tiny movies that come out in a lot of middle ground. And uh, we're talking about the teeny tiny ones today. Yeah, that's true. It's either Marvel or Bloomhouse. That's kind of where you're at nowadays, at least on that level of budget. Yeah, that's true. It's just like, well, what about like a romantic comedy starring a couple leads? Is it a Blumhouse or is it a Marvel? Look, I'm Johnny Hollywood. I make the rules around here. <laughs> That's his name, Johnny Hollywood. It's official. It's on his birth certificate yep. and everything. Yeah, the guy who runs Hollywood. Low-budget movies, for the most part, are some of my favorite films ever. Uh, because with a low budget, they have to, A, get more creative, B, stick to the story they're trying to fucking tell and not meander so much, for the most part. So, yeah, you know, I it's a wealth of films out there that... Yeah, a lot of people don't even give the time of day. Especially with, like, that's how so many people get their start in their careers. Like, without low-budget cinema, especially around in the 90s, you wouldn't have people like Robert Rodriguez or Quentin Tarantino or Kevin Smith. People who are still making great movies to this day at higher budgets, right? All of them, right? Yeah, yeah. But, I mean, you know, even to go back, if we didn't have low-budget in the 70s, you wouldn't have Steven Spielberg. You wouldn't have 
George Lucas, you want to have Ron Howard, you want to have any of these guys. They all started, even James Cameron, for God's sakes, who is now, you know, the richest director ever. But you wouldn't have any of these guys. Yeah, as we talked about with Piranha 2 ages ago, uh, the, the truly mm-hmm. smallest budget start, it blossomed into an uncontrollable flower that will never cease to go underneath the ocean and make Avatar sequels. Oh, God. <laughs> <laughs> but, Adam, we're talking about two... Very different films from any of those filmmakers. Uh, films made by true geniuses that still work in low budget to this day. Uh, well, we're talking about uh, our good pick, which was uh, your choice, which was a Psycho mm-hmm. Goreman. And then uh, my bad pick, which was Fateful Findings, which will have a lot to say about both those films, but particularly Fateful Findings. Uh, but first, let's go ahead and get into our good feature, Psycho Goreman. Many moons ago... A nameless evil was imprisoned in a place far beyond reach. If he were ever to be released, it would spell certain doom for all existence. Is that fear I smell? Your planet will be torn to pieces, and I will treat your screams as I rip. Is this yours? Oh. Oh my god. Gemma Paraxonite. Whoever wields it is able to command me. Go over there uh, and wait for us to come back in the morning. You will suffer an eternity for this. Bye. The ultimate evil has awoken. There's a new god in town, and his name? Psycho Gorman. So, a Psycho Gorman, or PG for short. Um, is a film that came out earlier this year, actually. Uh, played some festivals last year, some digital ones, but uh, was officially released in January 22nd of 2021 and is uh, written and directed by a guy named Steven Kostansky, um, who is a director that's usually worked in lower budgets. Um, he used to be a member of this uh, troupe called Astron 6, who uh, tended to make these kind of low-budget uh, genre films. Uh, they started off with something like Manborg, which if you haven't seen is very fun. They're kind of like pastiches of 80s movies, in particular like low-budget 80s movies. Um, and it's gone on to stuff like Father's Day or eventually The Void, um, which uh, we both have seen and that we definitely recommend. I think it's his best film. It's, uh-huh. a, it's a great sort of carpentry uh, horror throwback. Um, but this is more of like a horror comedy, like a lot of the stuff he's made particularly. This is a guy who comes from sort of like internet sketch stuff as well. He did a lot of that. And you can tell this feels like it comes from somebody who does internet sketch stuff uh, for good and for bad, uh, you could definitely say. Uh, But why don't you go ahead, Adam, you picked this, but you hadn't seen it before. You just heard I'd seen it before and really wanted to watch it. And uh, how do you feel about it? I mean, I like it. It's super fun. Um, I love the effects. It's cheesy as some of them are. I mean, and they most of them are really sort of, you could tell, low budgety, but they look awesome. And they're so original looking. It's really cute. It's got a lot of good heart to it. Uh, surprisingly, in such a fucking violent, gory mess of a movie, it's just, uh, you know, the thing is, I know I shouldn't be analyzing a movie like Psycho Gorman for lack of character development, but that's really sort of my problem with the movie. None of the human characters really do anything to keep my interest in this movie. Well, it's funny you say heart, because uh, I would argue the exact opposite and I think that's a positive for the movie, honestly, is that, because um, I watched this earlier and then we watched it for the show, and what I kind of respect about this movie is it has an incredibly cynical, bitter 
sense of humor and sense of its story. And I think any of the attempts at heart are more just kind of like parodies of Amblin films in a way that I think is quite fun. But at the same time, I do agree, especially upon the second watch, I feel like it kind of makes the story feel a lot thinner and some of the jokes feel not quite work as well as it does. Uh, but we should probably explain, like, most people aren't aware of what this movie is, I would argue. So we should probably, like... Oh, I'd say probably no one knows what this is. No, great for SEO. Uh, everybody come and listen. Uh, but uh, basically, Psycho Goreman is a movie that uh, features two young kids, uh, Mimi and Luke, who are brother and sister, who um, come across this um, little uh, thing inside of their yard, this thing that was buried underneath this gem that's glowing. And I'm like, I wonder what this is. And uh, they soon encounter a creature from an unfathomable monstrous space, uh, who they ultimately name Psycho Goreman. Because the thing is, even though this monstrous creature who, as he describes, has killed, like, hundreds, and is this, like, monster just based in destroying things, um, as long as Mimi has the jewel she's able to control this monster. And the thing about Mimi is, I think what makes her personally my favorite of the human characters, um, is she's an unrepentant, completely lacking in empathy monster of a human person. Oh, yeah, she's a psychopath. <laughs> I find it really fucking hilarious. I think credit to it's Anita uh, Josihana um, is so fucking delightful as this awful inhuman monster of like an eight-year-old girl <laughs> i find it so fucking funny every time she just just doesn't give a single shit about her brother's life or her mother or her dad really and i think that's just kind of like so fun to watch but i don't think most of the other human characters have nearly as much of that personality now i don't disagree with you i think it's a it's a really fun character beat for it but it's just it got a little old for me after a while because mm -hmm. it, it, it's just non-stop there's no character change to her which in a way is a good thing because they stuck to their guns but after a while i just kind of got bored with it yeah I, I think it's it's definitely a problem of like the movie's only 95 minutes long and i think this would there's work a lot of padding yeah it would probably work beautifully as like a 10 minute sketch it would be like the most perfect thing possible yeah i would definitely recommend one of my favorite things that this guy has done is this fake trailer called biocop which they kind of uh -huh. include in this movie to a certain they reference, where it's a fake trailer about, like, sort of that's, like, a parody of, like, a RoboCop, but the thing is, it's this cop who he's turned inside out, and he's, like, constantly oozing pus and all this awful stuff, so it plays, like, a cop trailer. Just like, you're off the force bio cop, but he keeps saying, like, please kill me! I want to die! <laughs> Which there's a character in here um, who kind of looks like that, and his, he's played by Robert Homer, who was an actor who played the Biocop in the trailer. Um, and I think, like, this kind of bit would work perfectly in that sort of limited amount of time. But at this, you know, 95-minute length, I don't think it gets too uh, long in the tooth for me. I think there's a point where you are kind of waiting for it to rush. I think it would probably have been even better at, like, more of a 75 minutes. This would be I agree. pretty I great. Agree. Yeah, but I gotta say... I fucking laughed out loud when, for no reason, Psycho Gorman is dressed exactly like Dr. Alan Grant from Jurassic Park. <laughs> yes, I, I think credit, like, Psycho Gorman himself, who's uh, played by two people, there's uh, Matthew Nienbar, who's the guy in the suit, and then Steven uh, Vlahos, who is the voice of Psycho Gorman. Um, I do love the conceit of that character, who is just, like, this monster who can unleash all sorts of unfathomable terror, but is at the mercy of children, is a gag I think that doesn't 
ever really fault for me. I really love so much of him just being tagged along. He keeps saying horrible stuff to these children about, like, I would crush your bones and destroy every single fiber of your being, but uh, I gotta do, like, this ball game that you've constructed that mm-hmm. makes no sense or something like that. It's yeah. a really funny bit. It was nice meeting you. It would be nicer if you were dead. <laughs> <laughs> Another part that just got me in this movie is, not my hunky guys. <laughs> or no, especially was just like, I do not care for hunky guys. Or do I? Yeah, there's like a longing look at the magazine. Or do I? <laughs> Just fully embracing that Psycho Goreman might be attracted to hunky guys. Good on him. You know? The hunky denim models. <laughs> <laughs> um, but, but no, yeah, and I think I agree with you about the creature design, particularly with Psycho Goreman, I think is pretty incredible, cause considering that it's like a $1.5 million budget. Um, it's sensational the way that he looks and all the other creatures that we see. There's kind of this thing to them where the way I described this movie shortly after I saw it was it's kind of like the unholy union of Power Rangers, Troma, Guar, E.T., and those weird drawings you made in the margins of your notebook at 13 when you were trying to learn physics. That's very accurate. I do like the way his um, like his generals look, too. They had some really cool designs to them. Like there's that steampunk like buccaneer some like elf king with you know a uh, a tree crown like it was just kind of a cool idea that he went into all these different universes and worlds and conquered them and then kept their best yeah to have it's his sort of generals like that was pretty fucking cool who would you say is your favorite of those creatures and any of the creatures in general oh i mean if if we're taking out psycho gorman because he's absolutely my favorite yeah um the witch thing with the weird like bug eyes yes with, like, the big shroud. Who spoke in, like, Japanese, yeah. Yeah, that was really creepy and sort of unsettling. I really liked the way that one looked. What about you? My favorite is, it's not part of that group, although they're all great. Um, And it's on the other, like, the sort of the Council of Elders or whatever yeah. that we see who are watching over Psycho Goreman. Just the simpleness of, I believe his name is Tube Man, who was a brain inside of a robot body. That was so good. Uh, that was so funny. <laughs> <laughs> and they're all great but even then i love the fact also that like so many of these things either have like these very distinctive kind of personas that are cliche to these creatures or they have like very indistinct ones like there's the guy next to tube man in that council the bit during near the end credits where she's like so here's plan b and he puts out a gun and he's like so who wants to shoot <laughs> like themselves a- first <laughs> Like an old, dirty American gun. Like yes. an old, dirty uh, Earth gun. <laughs> it's like an old sick detective six-shooter. So funny. I also really dug the one, because I don't understand what they were doing with it, but I thought it was so cool. That giant vat of just meat and blood. Yes. That had, like, that, sh- that had blood squirters for arms. Right. Like, what the fuck even was that thing? And I like the contrast in that particular sequence you're talking about where the generals come in, where the low-budgetness works to, like, make these, like, designs and suits stand out so well, but then also make it so funny when they have, like, Power Rangers-level fights, which is uh-huh. such a compliment, because they're doing, like, a bunch of kick turns and all that, but they're in the middle of, like, a forest and like what looks like the upper northeast or whatever they they're nearly killing psycho gorman at a certain point and it just looks like they're just kicking him off and they're like a gang of kids just kicking like the the one fucking weak kid at school (laughs) it's so fucking funny (laughs) to see these horrific creatures just do like the dirtiest little like wrestling body moves it's so fucking funny no i completely agree uh to you then who is the weakest link in the movie out of the characters um 
I think it's the brother, Luke. Luke? Which I think is part yeah. of the design with the joke, because especially how Psycho Gorman never remembers his name. Is... I know, which is so great. You beat me. And it names his parents, and boy. <laughs> you should know my name <laughs> by now. <laughs> yeah, that's a funny bit, but also, like, he's weirdly supposed to be kind of like the character you're endeared to, but I think that just, he feels like a wet blanket the whole time, honestly. Which, it makes you weirdly side with the Mimi character, who once again is a monster awful person <laughs> but you're like you know what she has a personality <laughs> yeah yeah i also didn't like the dad the shtick with him uh got old again super fast for me like you got it and they just kept relying on the same thing over and over and there was a lot of him in it so he just didn't work for me either and he's played by adam brooks who's another one of these filmmakers from like the astron six thing and i i like that gag so i think it's intermittent for me i think particularly it works so well the bit where he's on the toilet and psycho gore man channels in um, with like his little hologram thing into the bathroom, he's like, "Oh, you have to find me, find me!" And he's like horrified, like, "Oh, where, where do I find you? Oh, I go to the field on the on this corner of these and theft." <laughs> yeah, it's just. I let's put it this way. I liked a lot of this movie. I love the outlandish gore effects. Yes. I thought the the whole thing that they did to the Alistair kid, like, what the fuck? Yes, who's a friend <laughs> of theirs who Mimi has some kind of crush on. And Psycho Goreman tries to convince her, just like, you know, I can make him fall in love with you. I can work my magic to do as you please if you wish it. And then he uses that his magic to turn him into a giant brain creature. And he's just that the rest of the movie. <laughs> I, he doesn't even change it back. I mean, in fact, the end, end sequence is that giant brain creature sitting there eating dinner with his parents. <laughs> like, like, just that's it. <laughs> and I also just love that, you know, the whole thing is like, I will spare your family. And then he just goes off and through a portal to another part of Earth and just starts fucking destroying the planet. I know. That's why, like, this movie is so inherently, like, cynical and angry with what it's doing. I think in a way that makes it fun, like it's mean. And we talked about mean not working in certain contexts, but I think in this case, it's perfect because the whole movie is set up like an Amblin movie where you figure like, Oh, psycho Gorman is like this evil monster who the kids end up kind of taking under their wing. And eventually you figure, Oh, he might change his tune. And it's like, Oh yeah, they gave him the self-confidence to not be able to need the gem anymore. So he can destroy more efficiently. <laughs> it's so fucking funny. <laughs> Yeah, I, I think that's a good way to put it. it. It is, this movie is incredibly cynical and mean, but it never, it doesn't feel like it. And I, I've never like, this is harsh or this is like anything. It's just, it's told in such a whimsical way. Like, it, I've never really seen anything like this. I can say that. I've never seen anything like Psycho Gorman before. No, it's definitely a movie that most people, if investors were to come up, just like, hey, here's our pitch for a movie. They'd be like, get the fuck out. <laughs> Leave right. my sight. <laughs> As opposed to with a lower budget, they can make this weird fucking movie. And I think that's the big thing that makes me, I would say, like it pretty well still, despite some of the issues where I think it's a bit long or in the tooth or whatever. Is like, even with some of the human characters not quite working, it has this incredible creative energy where I think that's what makes it less feel less cynical. Like, I would not argue it's whimsical whatsoever. I think it's, like, a gnarly weird... It's like a, if a metal album invaded, like, your small town, basically, is what it feels like, in a way that I think is incredibly charming. But it still feels like it definitely kind of runs thin 
with the joke at certain points. I think partially because the human characters are kind of thin. Also, there's there's still even, like, fun bits where I agree with, like, the dad character has a lot of problems. But there's other stuff, like, I love during the big climax where, like, there's a whole running thread about him and the mom are probably going to get divorced or whatever. They have a really bitter marriage. And then after she's transformed, which, by the way, I also love that whole like robot angel character that she transforms into who's also the main enemy of psycho gore man is like sort of coming after him it's this like um robotic angel character after the mom transforms out of that and her husband grabs her and she's like oh oh great you saved me you need to drive me to the hospital i think my head's broken luke can you drive (laughs) (laughs) i know he's just a whiny prick (laughs) that's his character he's a whiny prick yes yeah, it, like I said, though, and it just gets old for me after a while. Because, like I said, they do do a lot with him as far as he's in the movie quite a bit. But, again, though, I also have to get it credit to where they don't really want you to care that much about that character, I don't think. They really want you to focus on, especially Mimi and Psycho Gorman and their sort of deal. Well, also, more important, I think the most cynical thing about this movie really is that like I mentioned, Psycho Gorman is the only one that has any kind of real change as a person. Like, they, they make a whole thing about, like, oh, like, Luke and Mimi become more friendly because they sang the song, which I do love, particularly the montage with that song. <laughs> I'm the heckin' best. <laughs> it's like, yeah. it, it's a really funny bit, but also, the movie's entire sort of message is, by the end of it, like, well, intergalactic horrible monster beings can change. But humans really can't. We're all kind of shitty, and we really can't change. So what's the point? Are you going to feel that bad about him destroying Earth? And based on the movie, just like, nah, I guess not. <laughs> yeah, you're kind of rooting for him by the end. <laughs> you want him to sort of succeed and destroy the Earth. Yes, even down to, like, the whole climax of the movie, where everything hinges on, like, oh, is Earth going to be saved? It's based around their stupid fucking ball game, which they keep playing that has yep. rules that don't make any sense. And they're playing, and even, like, I love the angel robot lady is even at a certain point just shrugging, like, I don't know, what the fuck even is? I don't understand the rules of this game. I do get really... Could you please repeat what the switcheroo is? Nope, should have been paying attention. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, they play crazy ball. Yes. <laughs> yeah, you know, and I one thing, too, another effect I really do like, uh, even though it's super cheesy, but it's just so well done and so graphic and gross is when he's like, uh, and I will give you a, a warrior's death. And then sort of like his whole body opens up and he eats them. Yes. Yeah, it's gross, dude. Yeah. <laughs> but it's awesome. That happens twice, and I do love the effect, particularly in the first instance that happens, where like he just, at a certain point after he eats, just he vomits blood up for a bit. And then he looks over at the kid and says, what you have seen cannot be unseen. You will live with this until it eventually rots you into a grave. <laughs> I know I, the, the Luke is actually like gross, and the kids and Mimi's like cool. <laughs> like <laughs> she's just a maniac. Or even I love the bit too where she just goes up to the cross and she just talks about like, "Oh Jesus, uh, you have to help me, please guide me." Which of these shades looks better? Just kidding, it's this one. I was totally gonna wear this. And also, you know what? There's a new god in town. His name is Sakugo. <laughs> Like, that's a bit that could have been cut out, but also, it's just a fun bit of, once again, really building that, like, Mimi not only completely disrespects humanity, but also disrespects any form of religion whatsoever. (laughs) She is the only, she is God incarnate. She is the only person that matters in her universe. (laughs) I just respect that, like, damn, they really went hard on this little monster child person. 
That's true, man. She's constantly getting in these big creatures' faces and shit, too. Yep. Like, nobody tells me what to do. You know, frig off. <laughs> You're like, oh, okay, shit. It's basically like if the main girl in any of those, like, 90s Nickelodeon adverts was just like, kids rule, adults drool, was, like, the most psychopathic completely lacking in any kind of empathy monster person and it's so i think honestly that's why i think she is the strongest character is because she sticks to her gumption and more is revealed just about how awful she is as a person (laughs) as time goes on you know that's true i i i can honestly say that i think on a rewatch i would probably like this one a little bit more not that i don't like it now i do really like it but I think it might even go up a notch if I rewatched it. It's so brutal. This movie is so violent in ways I did not expect. No, yeah, and it also manages to really make up for its budget with certain things. Like, I think the best scene to display how much you can do with so low a budget is when you get Psycho Gorman's backstory that he tells the kids Yes. visually, where it's very clear, like, okay, there's, like, some stop motion here, there's some, like, small computer effects and stuff that clearly makes it like this isn't like a huge grandiose thing but they build such a great mythology oh i was enslaved in the camps and then i found the magic gem and i was able to harness my full potential and destroy those who tried to incarcerate me it's really fucking metal and dope despite how small it is yeah dude i mean he just brutally rips apart these things but that was also a cute scene too where he's telling the story and then it cuts to the one boy like hitting the TV. Oh, it's working. He's like, uh, uh, and then he goes back into it because <laughs> like, they interrupted his fucking origin story. But that's the thing. The movie is aware of what sort of like all the big trappings are behind their influences. And it's really just about kind of taking the piss out of all of them, whether it be like Power Rangers or heavy metal albums or, you know, to a certain extent, even like the trauma aesthetics of it. It has like this really infectious ability to pay tribute to a lot of like the pop culture it's referencing but never take it at all seriously yeah i yeah i i guess i gotta agree with that too god damn it thomas am i turning you on the movie a bit no no because oh. like i said i still like it but it's definitely making me want to rewatch it again yeah which we should say um this is currently available to rent uh though it should be on shutter i think within the month since we're releasing this in may because uh, they picked it up. I think this is the perfect kind of movie for Shudder. That's the audience for this movie, <laughs> is somebody who subscribes to Shudder on a regular basis. Yes, absolutely agree. This is a good one flicking through, like, what the fuck is this, and putting it on. Yeah, and I would also recommend, this guy has also, I think, done a pretty good job. Like, I mentioned The Void, but also even um, St. Patrick's Day was a bit ago, but he also directed Leprechaun Returns, which I would argue is the good Leprechaun movie. <laughs> uh, yeah, it's the best one. Yeah, out of all of them, including the original, uh, but that's not also that's not saying much because no. it's not great. But in comparison to what came before it, yeah, it's Paddington too. <laughs> but it has similar qualities, especially of like the kills in that movie are really dope as well. Yes. The gore and the guts and all that is really fun. And even it has like actual clever gags, which most of those horror comedy dra- leprechaun movies lacked in general. In a similar way, even this one, I would say, what's your favorite like? all-out gore moment in Psycho Gore, man. Well, just the idea of it. I don't know if it's just all-out gore, but just the idea of it where he's got that punk in the beginning. He's like, did you live for eternity? And the next time it shows him, he's like this frozen husk of a dude where his eyes are constantly rolling in his head. And he looks just gross, and the boy knocks him over. <laughs> and then just his, his mouth, that's literally just a piece of flesh on the ground, is like, thank you! <laughs> that was really good. 
and I also do like the sort of bio cop inside out cop thing, especially when he gives her the Valentine. <laughs> Please kill and me. She's like, Oh, what is that? Please kill me, written in blood. And she's like, This isn't right. These are supposed to be nice cards. Um, I think my favorite of those is there's a bit where it's near the end of the big battle between like all of the different people in Psycho Goreman, and he gets the robot guy and just like, look into the abyss. Do you see where true darkness lies? And it's a reflection of the guy. He's like, yes, in ourselves. And then a hand just grabs that guy in a robot monster hand and takes off his face. Oh, yeah, dude. <laughs> yep. So good. Just rips it off. Right. <laughs> and there's like eye pus squirting out. <laughs> and he's like a weird robot man. So there's like gears and fucking oil coming out and shit like that. It's really great. But yeah, I I think it's time to go into final thoughts because we have so much to say about our next oh, feature. Okay. So uh, let's go ahead and do final thoughts. Adam, your final thoughts on Psycho Gorman. I think it's really fun. I, this would have been better as a short, mm-hmm. you know, even ten to twenty minutes short. I, I think it it really sort of hit a lot cleaner for me. But as it stands, I still think it's a it's a really fun watch that I probably would have never watched, like ever. Even seeing that watching the trailer for it, I'm like, this looks kind of cheesy and hokey which it is but it does work for the story that they're trying to tell and this movie is not for everyone there is would be certain people who would watch this and be champion it, and there's going to be other people where you're like that fucking sucked and i don't think you're going to get too much in between here's the lipness test if you hear the title psycho Goreman and you're interested you should watch it if that title immediately turns you off don't watch it yeah <laughs> Just like Manborg. Yes. I, I've seen Manborg. I thought Manborg was friggin' hilarious. Mm-hmm. Uh, but same thing. If if the title Manborg, you're like, oh, that sounds stupid. You're not going to like it. But if you say, oh, that sounds stupid, but I'm intrigued, go on. Yeah. Then yes, watch right. it. Right. Yeah. Um, and for me, like I said, I think this went down slightly with a rewatch here. Um, I When I initially saw it, I'm like, oh, this is great. And now I'm like, oh, this is very good. I think it's a lot of fun. I would still say The Void is this guy's best movie. Uh, and that one treats it much more seriously. It's much more of like a, a straight-up John Carpenter homage as opposed to a parody um, that this movie definitely is of what it's really going for. But I think it goes for the joke in a way that I would say 70% of the time really hits. I think like when it hits, it's so fun with that 70% of the time. And you can see so many of the homages. Like We didn't even talk about this thing, but the nightmare sequence Luke has, it's very much a phantasm ripoff. So fun. Really fucking funny, yeah, right. So what? Do, so so what do we do now? Well, we have to wait for the stream to end. It just zooms out. He's just standing there by his bed. Um, but I would say, yeah, if you have a Shutter account in particular, this is the movie for you. If you're a person that just is like, oh, one of my mainstreaming services, Shutter, it's kind of the perfect thing for you. And if you like also some extent of like D&D or Guar, some of these weird niche things that kind of all cycle together in this movie, it's kind of your thing. And also, more importantly, if you can have a, your tongue firmly in cheek with all those things, I think it really embraces that in a very fun way. But before we get into our next feature, Adam, here is a promo for an ESO show you can queue up right after ours. I'm Drew Leiter. And I'm Cletus Jacobs. Join us this winter as we watch changes in the DC Universe unfold. We'll keep you informed on DC News, we'll review the future state event, and of course, we'll be talking the Arrowverse shows when they return this January. Thanks for letting us be a part of your DC Comics journey, and thanks for listening to the Earth Station DCU podcast. Part of the ESO Network! Alright, let's get into 
the Neil Breen directed, written, and starring masterpiece, Fateful Findings. I was given paranormal powers as a child. I've hacked into just about all the information I need. They have no idea. No more books! You were given a power. Others want to take this from me. All this time, I haven't been working on my next book. I've hacked into the most secret government and corporate secrets. So Fateful Findings came out uh, January 14th, 2014, and is a film by auteur Neil Breen, who I have threatened for years that we need to cover a Neil Breen film on the show. And um, clearly, we both waited until we could perfectly comfortably rent the movie for about $24 on Voodoo. That's how we watched it, clearly. Together. We should mention, uh, behind the curtain, folks, Adam and I have been doing movie nights uh, just for yep. us, where uh, we watch some movies, go through, have some fun, making fun of them. That's not monetized, just us hanging around. And this is the first time we have ever, in the history of the show, um, watched one of the movies we we were going to cover for the show as part of those movie nights. Because I was insistent on hearing Adam's initial opinions, because he hadn't seen a Neil Breen movie before. I have seen many of his films. And I'm a true fan of this guy who is an architect in Nevada who bankrolls these weird low-budget movies that he does. We don't have an exact budget, but I can tell you straight up, this is definitely under $2 million, for sure. Uh, yeah. Yeah, 100%. Adam, I'm not going to task you to do a plot synopsis, because that's impossible for nope. this film. But I do want you to take the floor, because I believe I introduced you to a religious experience by exposing you to Mr. Breen's work. I mean, just to put it fucking lightly... This is the wackiest slash worst slash best thing I've ever seen in my life. This movie defies all comprehension and all uh, earthly limits and boundaries. Th this movie is like is like an impossible equation. This this is what fucking Will Hunting solves on the board. This movie. Th th this, who? Well, we know who. Uh, specifically, Neil Breen. And there's no question that he made this movie f for him, but in a way, it, it's just a beautiful gift for all of us. Now, I I, I really am thankful to you, uh, not only for showing me this, uh, picking this, but also for not trying to task me with a plot synopsis, because um, it's impossible. It's impossible. To synopsize this movie, I, I, I'm going to go ahead and synopsize it exactly the way that I told uh, my brother about it. Neil Breen plays a former computer scientist turned author, turned computer hacker, turned shaman that can phase through things, turned uh, like whistleblower, turned sex god, turned. Uh, that's about all I got. <laughs> that's literally the movie. And you go through all of these things with him and you go on such a wild, crazy, fun journey. I mean, there he, he's in therapy, which is good. You know, most people need therapy. Uh, his one therapist, which by the way, his therapists are the oldest fucking people I've ever seen on film. His one therapist is in a whole boardroom 
a giant boardroom, and they sat at opposite ends of the boardroom table, clearly, because they're not in the same scene together. But then his second therapist, who is in the same building, has a corner and two steel folding chairs, and they literally sit knee to knee. Are you saying, Adam, that they couldn't afford an actual like psychiatrist's office for any of these scenes? Well, obviously not, but why not just put it in his fucking house? That's where the hospital room is. So you might as well just do the psychiatrist's office at the same thing. But Adam, that place would have like a couch, and that wouldn't fit at all for a psychiatrist's office. It's either a super long boardroom table or two folding chairs. That's what you sit in. Yeah, a couple folding chairs that, you know, are left over from like WrestleMania 17. It's just... Huh? And, you know, and we're watching it, and, and Thomas, you know, at, at first I was getting a little frustrated because you're like, don't ask me questions. Don't ask questions. And I'm like, all right, I'm going to, well, I have to ask some because what is going on? Well, I told you straight up, like, not necessarily don't ask questions. I just said, Adam, even if you ask me questions, I will not be able to answer a single one of them. And at first I'm like, no, come on. No, that's 100% accurate. <laughs> uh, there is no way to answer anything like what (laughs) (laughs) and he shows his body all the time in the movie and he's got like a weird scarecrow man body yes and it's so disgusting and he shows it constantly his one nipple is out frequently Mm -hmm. like what is happening here and his awful hair and just oh Oh, <laughs> oh, yeah. And his wife, like, clearly comes from Transylvania or something. Like, I don't know where the hell she's from. She was next door neighbors with Tommy was so growing up. It's very clear. Yeah, and, and she's really into toilet pills. Like, this this is fucking wild. And also, the, the neighbors have this, like, young daughter that's attracted to Dylan, who is Neil Breen. And I'm not sure whose daughter she is. Because at one point, it's like, you need to go talk to your stepdaughter. And it's like, you don't find out that the dude's her dad until he gets killed, which of course happens, which is awesome. No, Adam, he committed suicide. I can't believe that he committed suicide. Right, which is what I was referencing in in the intro, uh, my name intro. And that's one thing, too. If you like your dialogue, lines of really poorly read dialogue, uh, repeated three to four times in the same sort of scene, this is the movie for you. Because, man, does Neil Breen do that every fucking time he's on screen. And it is glorious every time. He really hits... You know what it is? He's just trying to make sure he nails the line. And by the fourth time, fuck editing, by the fourth time, he's got it. Well, the weird thing is, uh, you would think that, but also he wrote the script, so I wouldn't be surprised if it's written on the page like that either. I don't think it, I, I mean, it might be, I wouldn't be surprised, but I honestly think it's improv. I honestly think he's trying to fucking like really be in the moment and act and he just can't do it. So he's just repeating the same line over. That's what's so fascinating about Neil Breen, because like we talked about the room before ages ago on the show. And that's a movie where like, we've talked about how initially it was sort of like very sincere. And then every time Tommy was supposed to come back about it, he was like, no, it was intentionally kind of a comedy. But we know that's bullshit. Yeah, that's As right. opposed to Neil Breen 100% believes in his vision and has never said otherwise. And is oh, yeah. so 
completely 100% through with this vision to the point where, like, he's so sincere, despite how completely awful and wooden he is, that I wouldn't be surprised if your theory is correct about that dialogue, or my theory is correct, or both 100% correct. Because, like, the thing that I doubt the most about your theory is that Neil Breen would have any kind of trepidation about him delivering the line at all. So no, that's true. That's a good point. Neil Breen lacks any kind of self-doubt, which I think is what makes any of his different movies fascinating to watch. Because you're watching movies that either are 100% a joke, or if you find out about Neil Breen, you're like, oh no, this man completely believes the bit and doesn't oh, have any kind of trepidation about that. <laughs> oh no, he believes he's really getting a message across in these movies. Uh, he really, really believes he's making something important and uh i'd argue that he is <laughs> it is super important he defies all classification uh as far as an auteur or even human he's a weird lizard man like the, you know that conspiracy theory where there's lizard people like george bush was a lizard man yeah i think neil breen is the lizard man like i think he's he the one real lizard man <laughs> yeah he's the real one like he he lives in hollow earth this is so fucking mind-blowingly stupid, yet in a way where it's like, maybe he's smarter than everybody in the world. He's, it's like that meme of playing 4D chess. Neil Breen is like 16-dimension chess. <laughs> he's, he's just... He's on another fucking level, man. This guy. He... he I mean... I don't necessarily... I'm not a religious guy. But I kind of am now because of this movie. <laughs> like, like, if something so perfect and pure and magical can exist, there has to be an almighty creator, right? Neil Breen doesn't just, well, maybe he could have just spawned from the primordial ooze. I don't know. He's been alive for centuries. That's that the thing. Ex that would explain his overall look. <laughs> <laughs> While watching this, I'm thinking to myself, what the fuck are we going to, how are we even going to, talk about this because you can't like the movie itself all you could do is just form a series of loosely connected thoughts to sort of talk about it it, it how can you say well at this point you know when he did this that that part was really cool because i don't it's all so fucking crazy and jumbled and all over the place i can't even there's no story arc here there's <laughs> there's no there's no plot really i mean it's it's fucking, it's, it's the work of a, either a madman or a genius or someone who's so smart he's gone crazy. It's beautiful. It's beautiful. <laughs> and I think it's what I want to be. Um, but I agree with you that it's hard to really describe a Neil Breen film, but it's fascinating to especially just watch unfold. This is a movie we 100% recommend watching at some point if you can, because it is one of those you have to see to believe. And having seen the other Neil Breen movies, I can at least have this context that we're talking about. Because, like, when, especially these other filmmakers like Tommy Wiseau or the guy who made Birdemic, other things, they make one movie and it's like, oh, it's brilliant, so bad, it's good genius. And then they try and make another one, it's like, oh, they're in on the bit and they know it's kind of a joke and it's really bad to watch. As opposed to with every other Neil Breen, because this was the first one I saw, and I'd heard he was sort of like an internet meme. Bits from this movie are all over the internet in terms of how terrible yes. they are. Um, particularly, like, the, the suicide scenes. Like, I can't believe it. I can't believe you committed suicide. That whole delivery, or even 
the bit where the young girl has come over and is like trying to seduce Neil Breen. It's like, you have to stop coming over. Stop it. I mean it. You can't keep coming over. Like, I'd seen these bits, but I hadn't seen the whole movie in full until I was invited to by some friends. And I think what's so fascinating watching that in the other movies is you can tell that this dude, like I mentioned, doesn't have any trepidation about what he's saying and just has no possible talent to deliver it in a digestible, commercially engaging way. So the way he processes that out, it feels like performance art. It feels like something that is like you mentioned, like it's got to be playing on some higher level. If this guy isn't a joke, which seeing the other movies, he's not joking around. It's got to be some kind of weird, brilliant performance art. That's a commentary on um, maybe capitalism or Hollywood cinema, or on corrupt governments, or any of these other things. And maybe it's that, but also it could be just intergalactic messages that have been sent to us, and we're just getting them. That's very possible. Like, this is what the Hubble sent back. Um, <laughs> you, you know, and it's like, also, you know, what, you know what a really good analogy for me for it is? Like, I don't, are you an Office fan, the show The Office? I, I, I've seen the, the show with the Steve Carell and others, yes. Yeah, that, that's exactly it. There's a lot of scenes in that where Steve Carell goes to like an improv class or, you know, tries out for plays and, and he thinks he's the best in the room and it's almost embarrassing to watch. That's what Neil Breen to me is. He thinks he's the best in the room, but he is not embarrassed about how hard he falls. Oh, no, it, it's very much like the what, what was the movie that he made? Like Threat Level Midnight? Was that the movie? Yes. 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 Right. Yeah. The great episode of The Office where they just show clips of the movies making the entire series long. Um, it is very much that. But not written by comedy writers. Written by someone who... Right, not funny. Not intentionally funny at all, no. Yeah, no, this is... Why is he vision in parts of this where he can just phase through walls and shit? Like, I don't... Is it because of... We also left out that they found a magical mushroom in the beginning of the movie. Right, when he's a child, clearly at the same it. age as like his romantic lead in the movie. Um, yeah, where he's like her, he looks like he could be her fucking father. Yes. 32 oh. years older than the actress. And that's another thing is also kind of like Tommy was so, he fancies himself a ladies man where literally, you said that whole thing about like, oh God, why is the daughter attracted to him? It's like, well, Adam, she's a human being in a Neil Breen movie who's female. All of them are attracted to him to some degree. Oh, and, and by the way, none of them wear undergarments ever. None of them wear a bra. No, there's plenty of sequences where it's very clear he insisted they not wear a bra, and the actresses are very uncomfortable. Oh, and a, oh, and God, when he kisses any of them, oh, no, it's like a leather man. It's like this weird leathery ghoul. Like, get the fuck out of here, man. <laughs> like, it's just, you know, and, and uh, yeah, I'm making fun of the guy. Maybe he's a fucking android, and that's where he got hit. You know, I don't know. I don't know who this guy is. I don't know what this guy is. Like, it, he's like either a harbinger of doom or the savior. One of the two. Or both. He could easily be both. He is like all things incarnate. Oh, depends <laughs> on what you believe in. Yeah, yeah, the incarnate is all and nothing. He's, he is the true one being. He's what you would actually get with Dr. Manhattan, as opposed to like the big buff masculine, just sort of like embodiment of I am atom made of atoms. He is just fucking this thing that exists i'm tired of this place i'm tired of it <laughs> i said leave me alone these people their books 
<laughs> which also one of the great bits in this movie in which he holds up a book which by the way is supposed to be his book but is very clearly the war within by bob woodward and that you can see it on the spine and he's like no more books because people are trying to get him to write books and he throws them at these four different laptops he has that eventually like, either fall over those laptops take a fucking beating in this movie <laughs> look they better have gotten stunt pay along with like sag money because like they deserved it um and just also the sequences where like he's trying to drink coffee and he's just like uh, uh, <laughs> it's, it's all over the thing is we could describe these sequences to you people we could do it especially if you haven't seen the various internet clips but you can't fathom you have to look for it yes like even if you do just watch the various internet clips because defining the actual movie either a it's hard to find or b when you do it's fucking ridiculous ridiculously overpriced right which we clearly okay. paid the price that's what we did 100 percent. that's yep, what we did course, especially Neil Brain, if you're listening please yes that's what we did yep, we are 100 percent honorable thank you so much for letting us purchase that yes. uh but, <laughs> yes yes of course uh tm <laughs> but, um, <laughs> but no i mean even if that's the only way you could find it is just find like an internet supercut of neil breen shit do it it's so worth it. It is so worth it because no matter how much we describe any of these scenes, it's not going to be as impactful unless you see it for yourself. Yes. Because describing these scenes to someone who hasn't seen it, they're like, what? Like, okay. You show it to them and it's like, what the fuck? Okay. Like, this is a thing. Yeah. It's nuts. It is fucking nuts. The Bentley hit him. I'm a witness. <laughs> it's still parked there with blood all over it. Like, right. And we, we've, we've talked about uh, his acting and his writing skills. We haven't really talked about the direction of Neil Breen in this movie, which is to say some of the worst inserts and like weird effects and after effects possible. Like there's a whole what? recurring thing where he gets his powers allegedly from whatever this mushroom thing is, which is represented by a cloud of smoke that has like weird ghost sound effects. Like, whoa. It only moves in one direction. Yep. The same. It's the same fucking effect every time they show it, and they show it a lot. Don't even put it in reverse. Just the same exact effect. Yep. <laughs> oh god. Or inserts of people where like they're they're talking on the phone and stuff, and they're clearly like outside with the blue sky, and it's just a shot looking up at them as they're saying things like, "Oh, has somebody hit him?" Or I can't come into the office today. <laughs> and it's just like, you did all of these like in a parking lot. Or my favorite yes. is when they have the barbecue in his backyard. And there's about, we figured five to seven people there. Because yes. one guy, the guy we dubbed, the guy who cleans up the putt-putt golf place, just <laughs> shows up and disappears a couple times. Um and yet the background noise is like there's a fucking Kinsiera going on. <laughs> like it's it's fucking insane. Just ah, 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 ah. The, the Foley, which is all of the stock like stuff you get in like your uh fucking final cut. That's just like the most stock possible sound effects, just like ha ha ha. ha. Oh, whoa. <laughs> just to indicate, oh, there are people having a good time here. It's one of many decisions that convince us that Neil Breen is an alien of some sort. Because all these things are just like, this is what the humans do. This is what humans produce out of their mouths during a party. Do you remember the movie Sneakers? Yes. 
Now, the scene where David Strathairn is asking Robert Redford to describe what he heard, he's like, oh, it was a cocktail party. Turns out it was a bunch of flamingos. Play that in the background of the party scene, and there you go. That's what you got. It's just a bunch of fucking loud noise. Sounds like it. it could be birds or people just fucking having a badass time, and there's five people there. Also, speaking of sneakers, though, this kind of feels like a Dan Aykroyd conspiracy theory. Like, brought to oh, life wow. on a very low budget as well. Oh, 100%. Because <laughs> you can't really find a whole bunch of, like, real information about Neil Breen. Well, at least not thorough information. Except if you go on his Wikipedia page and find his Wikipedia image, which is his eyes closed as of this recording. He's smiling with his eyes closed. It's yes, amazing. It's amazing. Um, I'm not convinced, though, that he's he's got to be a conspiracy theorist guy. Like, he's got to believe in aliens and Skinwalker Ranch and all whenever you watch any of his other movies that becomes very clear uh even even like the end of this movie though is just like the the most basic (laughs) attempt at like oh there is corruption in the government or these politicians we don't trust or like you mentioned the president of the bank there's this whole thing where he unveils his quote-unquote big hacking secrets and he's at a press conference where he reveals this, and every single one of these people is like, I am the president of the bank, and I used the information from people to steal their money, and I am resigning as president of the bank. And then he shoots himself. (laughs) Two people shoot themselves. Yes. One slits his wrist with a steak knife in a bathtub. Yes. Uh, one, the lady kills herself in the car, like for carbon monoxide poisoning in the garage, and yet her windows are completely rolled up, so she would actually be fine. <laughs> the other guy hangs himself with a really shitty looking noose. Like, no oh, way is that going to hold this. You guy. forgot the best one, which is the guy at the end who I believe is a senator, who is just like, oh, I can't live with all of this shame. And so he gets into his car and takes pills and instantly dies and just slowly. Oh, gradually puts his right. head on the wheel. That's <laughs> right. He takes a couple pills and you're right, instantly dies. <laughs> like he swallows and it's like, Ugh, and he's dead. <laughs> that wouldn't even happen with a rat poison. No. You'd have a couple, like, you'd have at least a minute of like, oh, God. no, this guy takes something and just like, Bleh. Of he's course, they're dead. not the only people to die because there's the one guy who tries to assassinate Neil Brain who was shot off screen by a person we don't know. Oh, that's right. I forgot about that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What the fuck was that? I completely forgot. Like, who shot that guy? <laughs> I just God. really want there to be a reverse shot of like that weird effect, ghost effect, and it has a sniper and it's whatever. Or, or the, like the sort of government spy they send to kidnap his his girlfriend to lure him out. And it's just some fucking punk ass, like Tony Hawk skater kid in a hoodie and Jinko jeans. And yet he's supposed to be like this government spy. And then when Neil Breed finds him, he's just passed out drunk in front of a trailer. (laughs) Oh, this is a masterpiece. Where is she? Where is she? Where is she? I don't know where she is. You need to tell me, where did you put her? Where is she? (laughs) Oh, Oh, and we haven't even God. talked about the weird David Lynch inserts of the weird room that's like covered in black garbage bags. Garbage bags. Yeah. <laughs> and he's all oily and nude, of course, in this room. And, and then also next to some... nude women many times who are scrunched over next to him. Yeah, and I think it's supposed to be the doctor girl, but it's clearly not. Like she has completely different hair, like even a hair color. I don't 
I, I'll never like what, dude? And or like the weird mirror effects where he'll be looking at himself in the mirror, and then he'll walk off, and yet the reflection is still there, and it'll slowly phase away. Right, and then that later that mirror will be used to like do haunted mansion style effects where it fucking oh, well, shakes back and yeah. forth. Mm-hmm. Then the same shot of it over and over and over doing it. It's not even like a continuous thing. You can tell they got it doing it for like five seconds, just loop it. Oh, it's so good. <laughs> it's such a masterpiece. Adam, I don't think we can really go on describing this movie that much. And I don't even think we did. I don't even think we did. I think we both did and didn't. Did. I think that's the thing, is that we both did describe so much about what goes on in this movie, but also couldn't even fit it all in. We haven't mentioned much about the next-door neighbor guy who's constantly doing the worst drunk acting. We didn't mention oh, the no. dinner scene where Neil Breen has the most awkward-looking smile as he looks at the weird girl who's, like, I guess of age, but says that she's, like, just graduating high school. Uh, we haven't even talked about the wife who also just, like, I was at the office all day and throws her fucking wine at this guy in your husband's face. So much is being, like, left on the table here because, guys... I think I can speak. I think I can speak for your final thoughts on this, Adam. I think I can speak for your final thoughts on this. Which the only thing we can say is, this is the worst movie ever made and the best movie ever made. Please see it so you can realize what the fuck this is, because you all need to see it if you haven't. And if you have seen it, watch it again. (laughs) This took the best bad movie spot by a fucking country mile. On our show for me. I was going to ask compared to Miami Connection. No, no, no. This is this number one with a fucking really poorly digitized bullet. <laughs> like this, 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 this is just bar none the greatest thing I've ever seen. Like there's nothing, nothing. I don't think I did. And I saw my daughter born. You know what I mean? Like, if, like this, this, this is fucking. This is amazing. Uh, what about you? Would you? Where would you put this? As far as the best of the bad. Um, I mean, it's really tough. The Miami Connection is just like it's so weird to compare because like they're both very bad movies, but they're both very bad in completely different ways. I would argue both are very incompetent, but in very clearly different so ways, different earnest. eras, so much. But they're they are both so earnest. I'll say I think of nothing else. Miami Connection has more like a fun earnestness. As opposed yeah, to, I, this is a bit sleazier, which I would say makes it slightly uh, yeah. go down for me. Um, if nothing else, I would also say it's much better than The Room in terms of so bad it's good quality. Oh, completely agree. Yeah, completely yeah. agree. I'll take this over The Room any day. You know, and one thing Miami Connection has over this is dudes in a house that constantly are just in their underwear and towels or just unbuttoned jeans and towels. Um, also, the fucking songs are legit bangers as opposed yes. to yes. the music in sure. this is amazing because it's really bad stock music <laughs> and it's also completely arranged and uh supervised believe it or not by neil breen oh neil breen did that i wonder what else did he do so you're saying this guy stars he directs he writes he music supervises i'm sure he produced to some extent you know I, I he's he's a quintuple threat i don't know why we would ever doubt him he's a master he's a master of his craft Especially if you're listening, you'll bring you've already commented on this post or tweeted next to this tweet with please bypass through my latest film. Oh, I sent a tweet right after we watched this thing to him. I, I want him to just acknowledge me so bad. Um, and then I can die. <laughs> it's I appear no like reason. the ghost effect. <laughs> <laughs> yep. I can't believe I'm dying. Oh, no. 
I can't believe I'm dying. Oh, I can't get myself out of this one. I'm dying. That's how Adam would have wanted it. <laughs> yep. Champion. Well, on that note, whatever note that was, that's the <laughs> yeah, end of our discussion of our two films for the evening. But um, before we go, we have some feedback to read. Because we asked y'all about what your best and least favorite, uh, you know, low-budget movies to coincide with this episode. We had a few people contribute, like James Rodriguez, at RoddersJ04 on Twitter, who says, uh, for best of these low-budget movies, The Blair Witch Project, Once, Monsters, Killless, Tangerine, What We Do in the Shadows, and Resolution. Worst, Napoleon Dynamite, Cabin Fever, the original. Uh, Texas Chainsaw Massacre, The Next Generation, and Kirk Cameron's Saving Christmas. Christian Alvarez says, Low-budget movies are an important part of film history. They can begin a legendary director's career, start an iconic franchise, or even become one of the most iconic films of all time. Uh, bad examples include Ed Wood's Plan 9 from Outer Space, Spurdemic, Ben and Arthur, Man of the Hands of Fate, and a recent favorite So Bad's Good movie, Tammy and the T-Rex. Good examples include Psycho, uh, John Waters' Female Trouble, George Romero's Night of the Living Dead and Dawn of the Dead, John Carpenter's Halloween, A Nightmare on Elm Street, the original Mad Max, Fruitvale Station, The Texas Chainsaw Massacre, Rocky, and probably my favorite low-budget movie, Sam Raimi's The Evil Dead. And then Ryan Quarterman said, Transformers Revenge of the Fallen. <sighs> I'm not even going to dignify that. Um, <laughs> <laughs> just, just, this fucking guy. Uh, I, I pretty much agree with all of those stated. The only ones I... I... As far as with Rodders, I agree with um, Cabin Fever and Saving Christmas, but I'm kind of I'm kind of positive on the other ones that he mentioned. I, I well, even Texas Chainsaw Massacre well, Four. Yeah, because that is so bad, but I still I still can watch it. Like I'll still watch it. The one with Matthew McConaughey um, and Renee Zellweger. Yeah, yeah. Who the who do you think you're talking to? We were talking to each other this long. You think I don't know which one Text Chainsaw Massacre 4 is? It's the one with Yeah, but Renee you said Zellweger. contradictory things where you said that movie's the worst, so I don't know. You're confusing me. No, it is, it's the worst of the franchise. I, well, I don't know. Text Chainsaw 3D is pretty bad. Mm-hmm. But, uh, I, I mean, it's still fun to watch for how over-the-top Matthew McConaughey is in it. Like, he's, he's going full. Right. You know, he's on 11 the whole movie. Uh, and I, you know, Napoleon Dynamite, it has soured. Not sour. I don't want to say that. I really liked it when I first saw it. I thought it was so funny and kitschy and, and goofy. Um, I'm not as plus on it as I used to be because I actually prefer Jared Hess's uh, Gentleman Broncos even more. I think that's his sort of masterpiece out of those quirky movies. Uh, but I still think it's fine. I still think it's pretty fun. There's a, It's still so quotable. Yeah, I remember when that came out and that was the most popular movie to everybody from my school. And I didn't see it until it was on DVD. And then when I did see it, I was so perplexed because I don't think it's funny at all. And I think that's kind of why I stayed away from Jared Hess's other movies. Because I was just like, this is like really unfunny and dumb. I need you to promise me you will watch Gentleman Broncos. Okay. Or um, pick it for the show. I'm going to have to find a way. It's going to have to get chosen. I mean, sure, we, we can do that. Sure. As long as it fits the topic, we're fine. But I would say, yeah, I agree with a lot of the choices that were said. I think it's also interesting just finding out certain things. Like, even Rocky for 76, it only cost $2 million, which is amazing. Yep. Even on I that like, low a budget. 
Um, a few of the other ones I would also like to shout out in terms of good ones would be one, um, Eraserhead, the original David Lynch movie, only cost $100,000. And you can tell it's low budget, but it creates such an interesting world in that low budget that I don't love. It's not my favorite David Lynch movie, but it is incredibly uh-huh. fascinating to watch. Um, also, Monty Python, the Holy Grail. Only cost $40,000, which appears in British money or whatever in that time. But um, I think especially that manages to create a lot of scale, despite the fact that it's so low budget. And also probably, I think one that has gotten a lot of praise amongst horror fans, but I think might be a bit lost to like other people. The original Cat People. Yeah. Only cost $134,000. And it's a bad woman who turns into a cat, but spoilers, you're not going to get a lot of actual shots of her transforming, but... It creates so many great scares, particularly the one when she's, like, walking down, like, trying to get to the bus, and you don't see a goddamn thing, but it's, like, intensely terrifying as she just walks around and really puts you in the place of this woman just trying to get home, and you're immediately so on edge, despite the fact you don't see a goddamn thing. I think it's what influenced a lot of these other low-budget filmmakers, like, particularly a John Carpenter. That has so many shades of, like, influencing Carpenter, just that one sequence alone. No, yeah, I definitely agree. I mean, you know, there's a couple that I kind of thought of uh, thrown there, too. Uh, you already named uh, quite a few of them. But, uh, I mean, the original Mad Max was only 400000 mm-hmm. You know, it, that's pretty intense. I mean, it's still, it shows its budget, but just for the vision that they were, you know, that Miller got across and what it's became uh, is pretty impressive. I mean if not phenomenal. And then of course, you know, I mean, dude, the Blair Witch Project, yep. it, was, it was less than a million dollars. It was only eight. Like, I think it's even considered less than like 750,000. Mm-hmm. It, it, that, that movie still, and I, I don't care what people say, you know, the detract from it or whatever, the detractors, I still think it's a great movie. I still think it's so expertly smartly told. I, I, I think it's probably the best found footage movie of all time. It's a movie that definitely, when I initially saw it, I was I saw it way after the buzz, and I was just like, "Oh, is this what this is all about? Whatever, I like it, but fine." And it's only gotten better each time I've really seen it because you just appreciate that craft and also how much they're able to create such suspense and also really engage you in these kind of shitty characters despite all this stuff and even build a mythology. Like so much uh-huh. is built on just those interviews at the beginning that apparently were mainly sort of, like, just fed to these, like, random locals who were just there. Um, and I think it's it does a stunning job of creating all of that. Um, I would say, to contrast the good things we're talking about, two I would like to particularly mention, where we mentioned Blumhouse. There are plenty of bad, low-budget Blumhouse movies. But I would genuinely still say, maybe one of the worst movies I've seen in a theater, in particular, is The Gallows. Oh, that's atrocious. If you don't know, folks, this is a movie that was, like, shot in a high school... It's about a bunch of kids who, like, go into their high school at night because there's a whole thing about, like, oh, a kid was killed, like, during performance of this one play that we're, for some reason, going to do again or something. Um, And it's so many scenes of, like, if you want to, like, really appreciate Blair Witch, watch that movie because it's even more of just people screaming things at each other, like, each other's names over and over and over again in really poorly, like, done found footage. It's really bad. Uh Yeah, no, I I can't stand that movie. No. And then another one, um, which I've only seen because I did see this with friends who like bad movies, um, but this is not nearly as entertaining as The Fateful Findings, 
is uh, people mention like the Kirk Cameron stuff, which I know gets like a lot of play. But there's also the weird, bizarre success of a movie called God's Not Dead. Oh, the Kevin with Kevin Sorbo. With Kevin Sorbo, where the entire yeah. premise of that movie is Kevin Sorbo plays an atheist college professor who is trying to tell everybody about like, oh, God's not dead, the actual philosophical concept. And one brave boy in class is just like, but what if he's actually alive and I'm going to debate you on it? It's it's like a Ben Shapiro, the movie. It's the adaptation. It's the life story. There's a sequel. Two sequels. Oh, is there two of them now? Oh, I've seen the second one starring Melissa Joan Hart. Um, I have not seen the third one because I'm like, I... I've already wasted four hours of my life watching God's Not Dead movies. I'm not doing this again. Right. And you understand he's not dead. Like, you got it. You picked it up. God's Not uh-huh. Dead. He's surely alive, to quote the song from the first movie. You know, and, and then another one I, I do want to throw out there, too, which I'm not a fan of. I'm, I'm really not a fan of mostly the whole franchise. There's some I appreciate more than others, but I, for what it did and how big it became, I mean, you cannot leave out paranormal activity either yeah that pretty much created like especially the blumhouse kind of and the resurgence of found footage that happened you're right i mean a hundred percent i mean that created basically like you said it basically created a fucking studio that is putting out a lot of good stuff and a lot of shit stuff still but it's just i it's never been for me but still i can appreciate what it did and it definitely has its fans I would say the third one, and also even the weird spinoff, the marked ones, are the ones to watch of those. I completely agree. I 100% agree. Yeah, especially when Christopher Landon, who would later go on to make, like, Freaky um, and the Happy Death Day movies, kind of came on board with that franchise and really improved. As opposed to the first one is an interesting, small movie that I give a lot of credit for being able to do all that with its small budget, um, but also is very clearly like, oh, this is a movie literally shot at somebody's very big house with two people who don't know yes. how to like act that well. <laughs> right. No, I completely agree. And the thing is, I, I tried to specifically shy away from horror when doing this. Cause there are so many yes. that are under 2 million that have become classics. I mean, we could go on and on and on and on. If you're going to go on a fucking trek to find and watch low budget movies, there's going to be a lot of garbage. Uh, I would, definitely uh rely on word of mouth or even like internet lists or things like that because there's way more garbage out there than good but there is a lot of gems yes um and then we had a couple other pieces of feedback to read that were in reference to previous episodes uh one from uh eagle eyes cherry jubilee who's at kanyahita mala on twitter says uh, in reference to our oscars episode from a couple weeks ago toys is another instance of my younger self being into a movie that is mildly terrifying and not entirely child appropriate as i think we discussed on the show as well about that very true very i could i could see that to some extent and then uh emily slade friend of the show at emily slade one in reference to our 1987 episode responded to a tweet we put out about uh, we didn't mention this on the show but with neil and i has a drinking game attached to it by fans where basically you drink along with the characters. Um, and we put out a Twitter thing referencing this and saying, uh, we don't recommend this just to, you know, avoid alcohol poisoning. And Emily says, I have done the With Now and I drinking game. You substitute lighter fluid for vinegar. I choose balsamic. Uh, a brave soldier uh, you are. Way to go, Emily. I mean, I'm a pro- I am consider myself a professional drinker. Even I'm not going to try that. No. 
Yeah, especially if you go the full length. I think the drinking game is just you take a shot whenever they do drink something. If you drink the full amount of, like, with nail, uh, you are going to die of alcohol poisoning. No, you're going to die. Yeah, you you are absolutely going to die. But even doing shots with them, good lord, man. I mean, you're you're talking at least 12 shots. At least. Yeah. That's a lot. Over the course of only like a hundred minute long movie. (laughs) Yeah, you're going to get fucking plowed. (laughs) But also, we want to thank you all for that feedback. We want to make a bit of an announcement that um, for the last nearly three years, uh, we've been doing weekly feedback requests. And we appreciate all the feedback we've gotten. And those requests about best and worst related to whatever topic we're doing. But we've noticed that most of the time it's kind of dried up in a way that, like, we kind of get where not everybody's going to be able to respond to, like, any of the weird topics we do with that kind of thing. And there have been loyal ones like Christian and James who have done it every single week, which we appreciate, or most weeks. But um, we're going to go ahead and put a halt to the weekly feedback requests. Um, But we still want to hear from you. We still would definitely like you to either comment on our Facebook or Twitter page or email us at our email address, which we'll mention below. Um, And we'll definitely read it on the show from time to time. Uh, but we decided to kind of change things up with uh, coming up on our three-year anniversary to uh, we're going to introduce a new segment next week. What? Oh, I didn't tell you this at all, Adam. Yes, uh, that's what we're doing next week. We're introducing a new segment. God damn it, Thomas Wade, not keep me in the loop. <laughs> yes, yes, we are going to be introducing a new segment, and uh, we're working out a bit of the kinks, but we'll uh, debut it, and hopefully you all respond well to it. Nothing else, if you give us feedback about that, we would appreciate it so we can improve on uh, what we do with the segment or even contribute when we'll uh, reveal what that segment is next week. Yeah, it's going to be exciting. We got a couple couple uh, new things coming up, it, 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 you know, for the show. Shaking it up just a little bit. Yeah, it's going to be fun. Week. It's going to be a big week next week. Stay tuned. But uh, before uh-huh. you do that, uh, we want to thank you all for contributing all that. And we also want to thank uh, Chris Oliver for the intro and outro music used in our show. Listen to more of his music at chrisoliver.bandcamp.com. Thanks to Emily Scarda for the art for our show. And thanks to our supporters on Patreon, patreon.com slash dedbpod, where for just $1 a month, you all get to uh, vote in polls to pick, you know, topics we do or movies we cover and listen to bonus podcasts. And this week that we're posting this episode, there'll be a poll up for my two good choices for an upcoming episode because June coming up is Pride Month. We like uh, celebrating queer either filmmakers or actors or actresses and uh, we're going to devote an episode next month to Kristen Stewart who uh, we're both big fans of and uh, you get to vote between my two good choices for that episode and my two choices are the uh, recent uh, 2020 film in which she is underneath the water in this big station trying to fend off some mysterious creatures underwater it's the movie Underwater of course oh which I love which I love but wait, 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 what's the other one? The other one is a movie called Personal Shopper, which is one of her more classy features. And uh, this one is about, she plays a personal shopper in Paris who um, comes across some mysterious influences from paranormal and other uncertain sources. Um, and I really like both these movies. I'd be curious to talk about either of them. Uh, but you all are the ones ultimately get to decide that. You all, edgelord patrons get to vote on which one of those we're going to do. Yeah. And you know, by the way too, I also want to throw out there, if you are a patron or are interested in becoming, we just put out 
basically within the last two weeks two brand new patreon exclusive uh little bits we got our our little blurb about the new mortal Kombat movie and we also have our series retrospective on wandavision so uh you know there's always we're always pumping something out yes for sure and including also uh you might get some sneak peeks at certain things like some of those big changes we're talking about for the show you can see maybe some sneak peeks at that if you just pay that one dollar give us your money (laughs) please we would appreciate it and uh you can find us for absolutely free on twitter and facebook at dedbpod or we'll share things around, and also uh, doubleedgedoublebill at gmail.com, uh, all spelled out. That's where you can email us for some feedback and stuff like that. And um, if you can't support us through the Patreon, why not support us by uh, buying some merchandise with our logo on over at the Tee Public ESO store, where you can get like a mug, a face mask, or a tote bag, even a shirt with the logo on it, so you can do what, Adam? Buy our merch. I can't believe it. I can't believe you haven't bought our merch. Oh, no. Our merch. Gotta buy it. Oh, no. Oh, I can't help you out of this one. As long as you buy our merch. I'm sorry, Adam. I I really wanted to hear more of that, but I was too busy trying to drink coffee out my double-edged, double-billed coffee mug. Yes, uh, you can recreate that scene with a double edge of a bill of coffee mug. <laughs> <laughs> you really should. <laughs> um, but uh, for more of my own individual work, you can uh, find me on Twitter, Instagram, or Letterboxd as at not the who's Tommy, uh, where I post my individual musings, and I also do some writing at both MarianiThomas.wordpress.com and Film-Cred.com. And you can find me on Twitter or Instagram at Atom. Or Adam, that's A-T-O-M underscore O-R underscore A-D-A-M. And I'm also on Letterboxd. Uh, you know, I'm not paying for the pro thing, so I'm not syncing all the names up. But it's under Schwanson. That's S-C-H-W-A-N-D-T-S-O-N. Uh, I've just started actually doing reviews on there. Uh, and for just starting them, I'm already up to like 50. So, uh, yeah, just go ahead and follow me on there or uh, any other social media sort of platforms that were mentioned uh for more of uh this great audio content please subscribe to us on apple Podcasts, spotify stitcher and other podcasting platforms for listening on the eso network why not listen to all the other great shows on there and uh, you can even dig into our archives on our Podbean main feed for especially the 70 or so episodes we did before we joined eso and nothing else if you can't buy that merch if you can't uh, you know, support us on the Patreon on a monthly basis for that $1. The completely, absolutely free way that helps us get more visibility is to rate, review, or simply share the show around. Yeah, we just want some visibility, guys. I mean, seriously. Please help us. Please rate, review, or share the show. Please share, rate. Or review it. I can't believe you're not sharing it. Rate or review it. You need to leave. I want to hear about your project. Especially, please make sure if you do do a review, if you could do it in like a Neil Breen cadence where it's like, this podcast is great. I can't believe it. It's such a great podcast. What a great podcast to listen to. Oh, please, please. That's, you know, that that's how I want everything that's addressed to our show from now on. And Neil Breen speak. <laughs> Neil Breen speak, yes. Please. Yep. Um, but, Adam, it's time we ended the show, but we got to do our picking for next week. And we mentioned next week's a big week. You know why it's a big week, Adam? Uh, oh, 
Yeah, uh, three year anniversary. Yes. What? <laughs> That's insane. We've been going for three fucking years. Uh, I've been on all but two episodes. So, hey, I got that going for me. Thomas has been on all of them, but hey, whatever. Yeah, he's so fucking cool. <laughs> Finally, validation. Uh, but yes. Yeah. <laughs> we're, we're doing um, our third year anniversary and we usually like doing something related to comic book stuff since our first episode very first released nearly three years ago was our Marvel episode where we talked about Iron Man and Ghost Rider Spirit of Vengeance so um, we're keeping that tradition but we're not doing Marvel again we would Man. never do Marvel again at any point in the near future wink 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 um, but um, this next week we are doing non-Marvel and non-DC comic book adaptations, which we've done before as a topic, uh, but we haven't done in a while. And it's a fruitful topic to do, especially when so much is obsessed over what's the next Marvel movie? What's the next DC movie? Where are the Easter eggs in this Marvel trailer? Where are the Easter eggs in this DC trailer? It's nice to look at the other, like, oh, wait, there are other comic book adaptations that are coming out not from those two main companies? Yeah, I know. It's fucking wild, isn't it? Good Lord. There's actually... Uh, well, I want to call any of them competition, but there are other uh, sort of avenues for your superhero and or comic book uh, film enjoyment. Yes, until Disney and or Warner Brothers buys them up. Which will happen probably by the time the next episode comes out. Maybe, who knows? But uh, I have the two good ones related to that, mm-hmm. and you have the two bad ones. I've assigned them between 1 and 10 for both of those. You've done the same. And uh, each of us will pick a number between 1 and 10, and whichever is closest to the two... Uh, for each person, that ends up getting us our good and our bad feature for the next episode. So, Adam, for my two good choices, number between one and ten. Let's just go number three, baby. Okay, you know, at number one, I actually had a two. I have the sequel to a movie that was surprisingly successful and ended up uh, getting a bit of a franchise that unfortunately stopped here. I have Guillermo del Toro's Hellboy 2 The Golden Army. Oh, yeah, you already know I love that movie. Sweet. Yeah. I love that movie. I love it, Thomas. And what, what was your uh, your alternate? Well, over on the other side, at number eight, I had um, a movie that's based on, I believe, a graphic novel that wasn't technically related to either of these things. As far as I know, I have a future Academy Award winner, Bong Joon-ho's Snowpiercer. Oh, wow, that's a good too that is a fucking great movie oh man either way win-win yeah although I think we have the more uh we got the more fun one to talk about with Hellboy too what are you talking about what's what's not fun about Snowpiercer right there's so much fun uh, yeah, they eat babies there's, there's they talk about eating babies and eating bugs as well if like bars and shit yes yeah. many things yeah, it but now Adam for your two bad choices hmm you know, I'm going to go the opposite right. I'll go number seven. Okay. Always a good sign. At number, <laughs> yeah. At number eight, I have the fourth in a loose franchise. Uh, I mean, it is technically a franchise, and there's always talks of a reboot coming. I have... Uh, Sort of, uh, well, it's the the Crow Wicked Prayer starring Edward Furlong oh and boy. David Boreanaz. Another great 
uh, victim of our movie nights. Edward, yeah, and another Edward Furlong vehicle to talk about oh. in, in recent memory. Oh, good. Uh, oh, boy. <laughs> oh, boy. Uh, at number one, I had, which I believe is based off a Dark Horse, Dark Horse comic, uh, the Jeff Bridges, Ryan Reynolds, R.I.P.D. Oof. I'm, I'm not dead yeah. yet, because we're not doing that. There'll be a lot more to talk about with <laughs> the Crow Wicked Prayer. <laughs> oh, boy. Dennis Hopper, baby. Oof. All right. So uh, we'll uh, we'll get to all of that next time. But until then, guys, I can't believe it. I can't believe we haven't ended the show. It's still going. The show. It won't end. Why hasn't it ended? It's time to say goodbye. We have to say goodbye. The people want to hear goodbye. I'm done with this show. I'm done with it. I don't owe you anything. <laughs> has been a broadcast of the ESO Network. Be part of the crew and help support our shows by donating to our ESO Patreon or by shopping for the Tee Public Store, which can all be found at www.esonetwork.com. The ESO Network, your station for all things geek. <laughs>